Public Speaking and Presenting Made Easy is an online show and a podcast full of tools, tips, techniques and advice in bite-sized chunks that will help you to stand up and speak with confidence every single time. Now I spent two years asking hundreds of people what they found difficult about public speaking and presenting and this podcast is about all the things that they told me and I will show you how to overcome all of those difficulties. If you have fear or anxiety over public speaking, if you struggle to structure or write your talk, if you want to influence your audience to take action or decide to buy something, this is the podcast for you. Always friendly, always to the point with no waffle, no padding, this is public speaking and presenting made easy. Welcome to episode number 14, The Art of the Introduction with special guest Caroline Kavanagh. Now, between the Mediterranean Sea and the Cévennes Mountains in France lies the city of Nîmes. Dating back to the time of the Roman Empire, Nîmes is known as the most Roman city outside of Italy, with many ancient landmarks and buildings that will look perfectly at home in Rome. However, architecture is not what Nîmes is most famous for. In the 18th century, Nîmes was known for making a sturdy fabric from woven cotton. In French, it was called a Serge de Nîmes, or de Nîmes for short. When in America, they pronounced it denim. Now, denim really took off in about 1873 when the first waist-high overalls were produced to sell to prospectors and miners working the American gold rush. And Levi Strauss, who had been a wholesaler of the fabric, decided to get into the clothing manufacturing business. Now, do you have any idea how popular denim is? Let me ask you, what percentage of the world's population do you think is wearing denim today? Well, the answer is about 50%. That's half the world's population is wearing denim on any given day, and most of that is blue jeans. Now, there's a chap in America who goes by the nickname of Indiana Jeans, and he spends his time exploring abandoned gold mines in the American West, old cowboy towns and industrial buildings dating from the 19th century gold rush era. Now, he's not looking for gold. He's looking for old jeans that the miners threw away because they got dirty or torn. Specifically, he's looking for old pairs of jeans and old pairs of Levi's. Now, originally sold by Levi's for about $1.25 a pair back in the 19th century, do you have any idea how much a 100-year-old pair of Levi's would sell for today to a collector? Well, let me tell you, it's about $100,000. Right, that's crazy for an old pair of jeans from $1.25 when new to $100,000 when 100 years old. Now, it's amazing what people can be get fixated by, the things that we value, the things that we idolise. Well, today I want to talk to you about the art of the introduction, those first vital few minutes when we have the opportunity to win or lose the audience. So many times I've sat through talks that are full of interesting and useful information, but the talk itself was not at all interesting. There was no story, no narrative arc, and nothing to reel you in. Now, jeans are strong because of the way the denim is woven, those different threads running in different directions that pull together the whole thing, all anchored on those little brass rivets, those key points that give the whole thing structure. A bit like a good presentation. Now, a good introduction gives us a theme or a meta-narrative, a story arc that we can keep returning to throughout our talk. It provides a sense of completeness 
a sense of connectedness and it makes the whole case that we're making more compelling. Now this podcast and Morality Speakers Academy exists to help you, dear listener, speak better. And to me, speaking better means being more influential, more effective in engaging and inspiring the audience to take action. Speaking better means capturing the audience's attention with a better introduction, being more entertaining. Now, speakers are performers as well as informers. And the performance starts the moment you open your mouth and the moment you open your speech with a great introduction. Now, in a moment, I'm going to introduce our special guest this week, Caroline Kavanagh, the anxiety specialist. But before I do, a salutary reminder that no matter how strong your introduction, you have to follow through with a great middle and a great end. See, in Nîmes today, there are no factories weaving denim. In fact, there's just a couple of artisan tailors who are hand-making jeans, but they use imported denim. See, Nîmes might have started out as the birthplace of the most popular clothing in the world, but its great introduction was ultimately wasted because their business and their legacy were stolen by other cities in other nations, and denim was turned from a French creation into an American icon. Now, let's go over to the interview I recorded with Caroline a few days ago. So this week on Public Speaking at Presenting Made Easy, I've got a very special guest. Um, it's a lady I've known for a couple of months now, and I know she's going to provide some really useful uh, and interesting information. It's Caroline Kavanagh, the anxiety specialist. Hi, Caroline. Welcome to Public Speaking at Presenting Made Easy. Hi, Mark. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's an absolute pleasure. Yeah. It feels like I haven't seen you for, for ages. Oh, for at least three weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Um <laughs> So, so I guess we should just explain. We, we met because you came on um, my speaker's masterclass. Um, mm -hmm. And I, unlike many of the people who come uh, on the masterclass, actually, uh, you, you weren't someone that had any kind of fear of public speaking. You actually were quite an accomplished public speaker already. So perhaps you could tell us a little bit about your, your journey as a, as a speaker and kind of how you've been using it to grow and develop your business. Yeah, that's very kind of you to say. Thank you. Um, so a lot of my, uh, should we say, just skills of standing up on my feet came from um, actually doing lecturing. I used to be a lecturer um, on uh, market, various marketing courses. So actually standing up and talking to people wasn't something that um, particularly scared me. I think like most people, you know, a, a few minutes before you're due to get up, you have those sort of, you know, anxiety feelings, butterflies in the tummy and stuff. But I now recognize through the work that I do that, you know, that's always a good sign. It's, it's enabling you to up your game a little bit. Um, and when I made the transition to actually becoming uh, a therapist and specializing uh, in anxiety, um, what I wanted to do was actually reach more people. So I love working one-to-one, -one, but uh, when you're selling time, there's a real limit as to uh, as to how much time you have to sell, uh, as we all do. So being able to get some of the knowledge that I have to a wider audience, becoming a public speaker was was the obvious thing to do. Plus, I love talking about what I do, um, and that uh, as well is something that alleviates the nerves. When you're really confident and and you love what you do, it makes actually talking to to other audiences um, much more easy. 
And um, it, it's part, I guess, of, of my own characteristics, my own journey. If I'm going to do something, I want to do it really well. So whilst I was confident in my my knowledge, I wasn't as confident in my ability to actually talk to people. I'd done a number of um, kind of speaking gigs, most of them kind of um, unpaid, talking at networking groups. I'd done uh, an hour keynote to Wiltshire Council, to their headquarters, um, just prior to the COVID lockdown early in 2020. And whilst I loved it, I just thought there are things that I'm sure I could do better. So that's when I started researching you know, courses. Um, and as Mark, you've already alluded to, a lot of the courses out there are all about um, fears of public speaking. It's like, no, don't need that, don't need that, don't need that. What I want is a course that actually helps me to understand how to structure a speech really, really well, to get my message across in a very succinct way, um, how to modify something so that I don't have to rewrite every talk that I do, whether it's a 20-minute one, a 30-minute one, an hour one, or turn it into a full workshop. That's what I was seeking. And, um, you know, I stumbled or I was directed to Malmesbury Speakers and, and the course that you provided really hit the nail on the head. Um, and as we say, the rest is history. That's very, very kind of you to say. Thank you. Um, I must get you on my podcast. You can tell everyone about it. <laughs> <laughs> now, what, one of the things I thought was uh, really interesting in, in terms of what you were talking about when, when you were on the course, so I, I saw some of your, your workshop, and that was what I saw was kind of particularly focused at, 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 at teenagers. And I, I really like the way that you... Um, kind of zeroed in on their worldview and, and used yeah. the way that, that, that teenagers see the world to kind of uh, give them the tools to, to, to manage their, their, ang their anxiety. Mm. Um, so since, since we're here, I wonder if I can get a, a little bit of free, free advice for you from, from all of our listeners in terms of for those people who do have uh, anxiety around public speaking or even you know, getting behind a camera and doing something on YouTube or, or Facebook Live, what would mm -hmm. be your top three tips for people to help manage um, fear and anxiety about trying something new, like public speaking and presenting? Um, I think the first tip would be be confident in what you're talking about, because that is something, um, I mean, we know just as human beings, if someone's lying to you or isn't confident what they're saying, you just pick up on that energy. So if, you, if you're in front of an audience and you don't know what you're talking about, they're going to pick that up so, so readily. And then you will acknowledge that they're not engaged with you and you get into this tremendous downward spiral. So the first thing I would suggest is when you choose to stand up in front of an audience, choose to talk about something that you love, even if it's yourself, no one is going to know you better than you. You're an expert in you. So talk about something that, you know, you love doing because that authenticity, I think, is, I don't know if you agree with this, you know, is, is one of the most vital things about Absolutely. having that engagement with, with the audience. When it comes to anxiety um, specifically, one of the tips that I would say is aim at speaking to just one person at a time. And this is a tip that I got way back when um, I was trying to improve my skills and just doing things like Facebook Lives, um, doing social media. And the guy that I was working with then, he said, you know, you are just talking to a screen. And just imagine there's not going to be 100,000 people. Love it if there were. But at any one point, it's just one person sitting mm -hmm. in their kitchen 
watching you, so talk to them. And so even when you've got an audience, the largest audience that I've spoken to is about um, 130-ish people, you just talk to one person at a time, ignore all the other faces, and that really helps you as well because you're just looking in the eyes. And, and when you engage with someone, again, a human response is they engage with you back. There might be that little smile or whatever it may be that helps your confidence too. So don't worry about the other 129. It's just that person in that one instance that you're looking to and just keep moving your eyes around. So it feels that if you're engaging, but only with one person at a time, just as if you're talking to your mum or your mate or whoever it may be. Um, and then I think the third thing is accept that whatever you need is okay. So I'm confident that I know my topic well enough that I can talk for blinking hours on anxiety. I don't really need any notes. So my kind of resource that works for me is just to have a few PowerPoint slides that even if I do start to falter, I can just look at that slide and go, oh yeah, I know what's coming next. And one bullet point on a PowerPoint slide, I can talk about for half an hour. If you want to have key cards, that's okay. If you want to have a script, that's okay. Don't think you have to do what everyone else does. Be you. You know, it takes us right back to the first point. Just be you because you are good enough. And the more you do, you might change um, how you want to do it. To go from a full-on script to having key cards to having no things at all because you've spoken about it so much now that it just trips off the tongue as if you're asleep. Um, don't think that you have to be an expert. Everyone starts somewhere. And it's getting started that's most important. Oh, no, that's that's such that's such good advice. So just to to reiterate it to make sure it really kind of lands with people. So first of all, you said, um, you know, be yourself and talk about something that you know and love. And then you said, yeah. talk to one person at a time. Yeah. And and then, and thirdly, you said, you know, use whatever tools you need to help you do mm. a great job. And don't put yeah. false expectations on yourself about how you saw someone else do it and think you have to be a carbon copy or a clone of them. You need to be your own genuine you, don't you? Yeah, I mean, um, one of the one of the biggest, or the probably the biggest name in, in my world is is a guy called Tony Robbins. Um, and when I first started sort of doing the the therapeutic work that I now do, Tony was kind of like my guru. And I remember sitting at a, he did a four day event in London, and I sat there. I went with the intention of kind of modelling him, but at the end of the day, he's six foot three, massive, massive bloke. And I just thought, well, there's no way I can ever have the stage presence the same as him. But don't try and be him because actually I'm me. Yeah. And that sort of came down to that, yes, I can just tot around on my heels at my five foot one. No more small jokes, thank you. We've had those today. <laughs> um, and that's okay. I can have my own stage presence that's unique mm. to Caroline. And, you know, wait, maybe one day if Tony and Caroline are on the same stage, brilliant. I'll just have to wear even bigger shoes. That's absolutely right. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll get you a box. You know, borrow borrow Tom Cruise's box. Yeah, I think a step ladder. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, okay, so I'm I'm intrigued to know a little bit more about what it is that that you do. So, who who are your kind of typical clients? Um, you know, how how do they engage with you? And especially kind of during lockdown, how has this has this changed the way that your 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 business operates and the way that you 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 work with your clients? Yeah. Um, well, there's a lot of questions in that one. <laughs> um, so 
Coming back to, to my previous world was, was in marketing. And one of the things that's always drilled into in marketing is, is having like your avatar, your kind of one stereotypical customer and go and get more of them. Uh, and for me, I always struggled with that because I deal or I will work with anyone that's struggling with anxiety. The youngest client I've had is seven. The eldest is 92. Um, so, you know, the, the whole demographic model, it's not mainly met women or men or ages. It's the whole whole spectrum. Um, and even with anxiety, it can go from a very specific anxiety um, with something like a phobia right the way through to what is medically termed as general anxiety disorder, which means that you have anxiety that is um, influencing many, many areas of your life. So the way I really engage with people is we start off and have what I call my chemistry session, which is a session that's very much about just building a platform to understand, does this feel right for the client? Because one of the most important things about um, a good therapeutic outcome is that that client feels confident with who I am. So, you know, I'm a little bit different from most people. The environment that I work in, you know, it's a home-based environment. So if people want to be in a very clinical environment, I'm the not right person. Um, I also push my clients very hard. You know, I give what I call tough love because my desire is to help them get to where they want to be as quickly as possible. Um, and I talk an awful lot in metaphors. And so, you know, a common metaphor is if you're going for a massage, I'm not that kind of nice little, you know, aromatherapy, you know, soft and touchy. I get my elbows in and actually get into that muscle. Um, it might hurt a little bit, but, you know, it will feel a lot better afterwards. So that chemistry session is very much about um, me explaining a lot more about me, how I work. And a lot of clients are like, I've come to a therapy session to talk about me. And it's like, yeah, but if you don't like me, there's no point in you, like, you know, bringing everything up that for them might actually be uncomfortable anyway, because mm -hmm. until you have that trust, that rapport isn't going to be there. So, um, you know, that chemistry session at the end of it, they've learned a lot about me. They have a really good understanding of what hypnosis is, because that's the main therapeutic tool I use. Uh, and we cover all the kind of, it's not like clucking chickens and you're not going to be controlled. And I was about no to ask that. So. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a real science behind this stuff. So it is a bit like, you know, there's the biology, there's the chemistry, there's the physics. Um, and, you know, when you have a real understanding that this is, you know, based in science, and so whilst hypnosis is the same, therapy goes that way, stage shows goes that way. Um, and the endpoints are totally, and they, they couldn't be further apart. Um, one of the things that has sort of really evolved over time is, you know, I will work with anyone, as I said, from, from seven to 92, but I love, love working with teenagers. Because when teenagers learn how to use kind of what is their mind in, in a different way, it gives them a tool set that really they have available to them for the rest of their life. And I feel very, very passionately, if this kind of stuff, even at a very sort of low level was taught at schools, we wouldn't be seeing the dramatic increase that all the stats are currently showing in terms of teenage anxiety, substance abuse, self-harm, suicide, depression, because it's like there is, there's an incredible set of really strong muscles in the mind that are not taught how to use them and that's fundamentally what I do is help them use those muscles strengthen them in a way that you know life is stressful 
life will throw those low balls that will put you on your bottom. But what these tools do is help you get up and start running very, very quickly. I, you, you said you use metaphors, and I, I really like that metaphor about using those kind of the muscles of, of your mind to get yeah. get get strong and kind of develop the, um, the the skills that you need. Be- and also, what it, what it does do is it gives you the a bunch of spaniels just burst into the room. The advantage oh, of, of oh, I shouldn't be able to see them. Yeah, they're just out of sight. So the advantage of I of, of a marauder in as well. We could have a bit of a dog park. Yeah, no. We'll edit this bit out. <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, okay. Just wait for that card to go past. Yeah, so, so what I love about that metaphor you were just using was this idea that using the muscles in your mind to, to develop the skills and the strength that you need. Because the implication is when you start off, just like when you start off uh, doing kind of get fit or any kind of training, you're weak to begin with. And so you're kind of giving people that permission to, know, yeah, you might not be very good at it right now. That's kind of the point. But with mm-hmm. practice, you get stronger and your coping mechanisms improve. And so you you will manage to um, control these things that at the moment feel like they're controlling you and you, you feel you feel powerless because you get stronger with practice. Yeah, again, and, and I um, another metaphor I use a lot is if you want to get fitter, you might go and hire a personal trainer in the gym. And you might have that session once a week, and in between, you might go to the gym yourself and practice those uh, those exercises. And when you have your next session with the trainer, they can ramp that up a little bit more. And that's very much the way that I work. And it comes back to that kind of um, you know the stage shows is the therapist isn't controlling the individual, just like the personal trainer can't do the physical exercises for you. They're just there as a guide, bringing in their expertise of how they work to help you work in a better way. Uh, And again, my tough love kind of approach is I ask all of my clients to do homework. That's like going to the gym in between your personal training sessions and practice certain techniques that will help you get stronger so that next time we get together, we can go up to the second gear or the third gear or the fourth gear so that all the time you feel you're moving forward. But once you've got those muscles strong, you can keep them strong yourself. So I'm very much in the business. Um, you know, my one of my sort of personal things is to actually get the the client out of my doors as quickly as possible. Which you know, it's great for my reputation. Maybe not quite so good for my bottom line revenue. But when they've got those tools, they can carry on using them. They don't need to keep coming back and you know and seeing me. And and what I see with a lot of my clients is, um, you know, they may pop back, you know, a couple of years down the line and kind of go, look. Life's just put me on my bottom. Um, this has happened. I know I can deal with this m- myself, but one or two sessions with you will get me there quicker. And it's just refining that technique. Um, and, you know, I'm in a very privileged position now. I haven't done any active marketing for about four years because all of my clients come from word of mouth because there's wow. enough people out there that have had the kind of, you know, the experience and so when they meet someone, they kind of go, you got a phobia of birds? Really? Go see Caroline. She'll sort it in two, two sessions. Um, and so, you know, that's a great position to, to be in. And, and I think so the, the last element of the question you asked was about how lockdown had worked. Um, I had had a reluctance up until kind of earlier this year to not work with people over Zoom. I'm a very tactile person. 
And, you know, I want to be able, if my client sort of gets upset as stuff starts to come up, to be able to hold their hand, you know, give them a hug if, if they're huggable. Um, and to do this over, over a, a screen um, and, to, and, and often a lot of the, the stuff that I pick up on is it's just that like kind of little twitch or that little yeah. nuance, which if someone's really close to their screen is great, but when they're kind of leaning back, yeah. relaxing, it can actually, oh, I can't see what they're doing. Um, but, you know, COVID hit us, Zoom, uh, Zoom was the only way, and I went, well, let's give it a go. Um, and so threw myself in at the deep end and I've now got a whole range of clients I've never actually physically met, shake their hands, hug them, anything like that. Uh, and what's been proven to me is the results that they've got are no different to the ones when people were in front of me. Yeah, I admit I find it a little bit harder, but from the client's view, it works just as well. So the therapeutic tools, their ability to, to exercise those mental muscles um, are just as just as beneficial. Mm. So it now means you know I'm in a in a great position. So thank you, COVID. One of the good things that's come out of it is I'm now confident to work with anyone who is English speaking anywhere in the world. Um, you know, and I am now working with a guy down in Sydney. The only challenge that we've got is you know my breakfast time is his supper time. Yeah. So you know we have to find a time zone where we're both. Uh, as, as bright as we can be, which can be a little bit challenging, but you know, geography is no longer uh, an impediment in actually working with anyone. Yeah, absolutely, and that 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 is one of the things that's really kind of happened. The world has shrunk uh, mm. during lockdown, hasn't it? Yeah, and and even from the speaking platform, you know, I've I've done a couple of um, webinars. One of my clients is the marketing manager for um, a local kind of charity that supports independent businesses. And she contacted me and said, right, you know, Caroline, can we do a series of webinars? I'm like, yeah, God knows how I'm going to do it, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I did a series of sort of three 30-minute um, sort of webinars where, again, I'd love to have done them standing up on a stage um, because, you know me, I'm quite kind of, you know, animated and like moving around. So keeping still, which is right. your, one of your biggest criticisms of me, keep still. Oh, um, I had to. I went on a screen um, and so it, it's all brilliant learning and I you know it's one of the things that I love as I start out on this kind of speaking thing is you know I'm never going to stop learning there's always going to be people like yourself like others that say hmm, okay but if you did this you'd go on to the next level and that's I just find really exciting yeah ab absolutely you know we're, we're all we're always improving and we're always trying yeah. to um, kind of hone our skills and and watch what other people are doing and all I like that. I'll, I'll try some of that, or even I don't like that, and it helps you clarify, you know, who you want to be on the stage or on the screen, what your kind of brand presence is. Uh, I guess is one way to, to describe it. Yeah, so just and as that, we... that's one of the biggest sources for a lot of people of anxiety is the, the striving for per perfection. Yeah. It's not perfect, therefore, you know, I can't do it yet, and that's absolute rubbish. There is no thing as perfection. You know, it's a completely banal concept. So one of the things I say to a lot of my clients is do your best. That is the new perfection. If you are mm. doing your best, that is the best you can do. You can continue to grow and treat anything that you get back, not as judgment, but as feedback. It's someone's opinion. Yeah. So someone might say, you know, Caroline, you need to, you know, stand still a little bit more, wear flat shoes. I've still got that choice. I might ignore it. Or I might think, okay, that opinion has validity and I'll take that on board. Because their judgment actually is theirs based on their own personal experience. It doesn't make it right or wrong. 
it's just a viewpoint. So do your best because that is the best that you can do and accept there's always room to grow. And that can have a huge change on your motivation to actually get up and do the talking. Mm. Oh, that's that, that's so true. That's that's a great insight. Thanks, Caroline. So just as we're, we're running out of, um, of time now, so what's kind of the next steps for you? What, what things are you doing to um, continue to, to hone your uh, skills as a, as a speaker and to improve? Well, whilst we're kind of still in this um, pseudo lockdown environment, um, I'm continuing to practice putting small talks together, um, doing video lives. So I've set myself a, um, a challenge from now until the end of the year to do at least one video live a week. Wow. And I get a number of kind of um, friends and colleagues that I ask in to, to critically appraise that. So all the time I'm, I'm trying to improve on that. And it will also give me hopefully little pods that I can then bolt together. It's one of the things that I sort of took from your course to, to make it a bit of a menu approach. Mm -hmm. You have all these little courses and for talk number three, it might be, you know, pod one, six and seven. For someone else, it might be two, five and nine. Um, so to put all these things together, I can just pick and choose to put keynotes or, or corporate things together when we can uh, more readily, um, whilst at the same time honing my skills. And at the moment, as we're as we're talking, there is the, the the PSA virtual conference going on, which has got some some great talks going. So I'm listening to those um, and trying to again learn how can I access things like corporate speak um, corporate gigs. Um, as as and when that becomes possible. So yeah, it, it's I think it's really exciting times, and who knows, I might even do a podcast one day. Absolutely, yeah, you should give it a go. It's not as hard or scary as you might imagine. Uh, <laughs> um, so you, a, you you said you're doing um, it's got regular uh, live video. So are these things that are, are public? Can can people come and find these? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my my Facebook page, um, if you just do a search on Caroline Kavanagh, um, that will that will pop up. So all the Facebook lives are on there. Uh, and the other way to access some of the stuff, I do regular um, blogs as well. That kind of the blogs and the and the videos often kind of marry up together. Um, they can be accessed either on the website itself or I do uh, a newsletter every couple of weeks that just again it, it's a way of communicating here's a little tip that you can use that doesn't necessarily mean you have to sit in front of me to, to use it um, and that newsletter again you can sign up for it on the um, carolinecavanagh.co.uk website so there's there's lots of ways I think you know just just google my name and you'll probably find something that pops up excellent and so for the benefit of the people on the audio only podcast so caroline is spelt um, c-a-r-o-l-i-n-e and Kavanagh yeah. is C-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. Perfect. Thank you. And it's a .co.uk. Excellent. Okay. Well, Caroline Kavanagh, thank you very much for joining us on Public Speaking Presenting Made Easy. It's been a pleasure to, to see you again and catch up on what you're doing. And I look forward to, to seeing you uh, in the near future on one of your Facebook Lives. I yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it too. Thanks very much, Mark. Cheerio. Bye for now. Bye for now.